our own capacity or more accurately, again, our own opinion of our own capacity shouldn't be holding us up from receiving the promises of God because it's not about our capacity. His promises aren't limited to what we can and can't do. You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Valley. And uh, in this Christmas season, we're actually going to be pausing our study through the book of Acts. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Acts, uh, really since February, I believe, of this year. And uh, we're going to pause that in the Christmas season, and we're actually going to go to Luke chapter 1. Luke, of course, uh, is the first book that Luke wrote, and Acts is the second book that he wrote. And so we're going to be going back to Luke chapter 1 because we're going to be spending the Christmas season focusing on the promises of God, and specifically the promises of God that are given to us through the Incarnation. And what's the Incarnation? The Incarnation simply is referring to Jesus becoming human, the Son of God coming down to earth and becoming human like you and I in order to save us, in order to redeem us from our sins, and in order to bring us back into relationship with God. There's so many promises that are embedded in the Incarnation. I mean, you can really just mine uh, you can mine it and just find how many different unique ways that God has blessed us and how many kinds of promises and different promises He's giving us through the Incarnation uh, event. And actually, what's really an institution because Jesus ascended back into heaven with the body uh, that God had resurrected, right? And so we're going to be thinking about that this, uh, this Christmas season. We're going to be unpacking that, and we're going to be reading through Luke chapter 1 so that we can reflect on um, uh, how to receive the promises of God. And we're going to be looking at Zechariah and Mary and other people in and, and, and Luke chapter 1 and seeing how did they respond when God promised them things, and how can we learn from it, right? So let me just talk a little bit about the promises embedded in the incarnation. I have several quotes here from different theologians and pastors and scholars uh, who study this and think about this and really help to uh, educate the rest of us on how we can think more deeply about the incarnation. Uh, Kathleen Norris once said that the incarnation is the place where hope contends with fear. Uh, Millard Erickson said that apart from the incarnation, there is no revelation. In other words, it is through Jesus that we understand who God is, right? Uh, the incarnation is not an event, said Vincent McNabb. Uh, it's not an event, but an institution. Because what Jesus once took up, he never laid down. And then I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon uh, in one of the devotionals from uh, Morning and Evening. Uh, he says, Contemplate the infinite condescension of the Son of God, and thus exalting thy wretchedness into blessed union with His glory. Of course, this, the, there the word condescension doesn't have a negative context, right? Of like, you know, He's talking down to you. Uh, it, he's, he's talking about how much God lowered Himself in order to bring you into relationship with Himself and just the beauty that's inherent and the promises that are inherent in that. And that act. And so, in thinking about the promises that are embedded in the incarnation, we're, as I said, we're going to be studying uh, Luke chapter 1 in December to learn about receiving 
the promises of God. So we're going to start here in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read today down to verse 25. And as we're reading this passage, what I really encourage you to do is ask this question, or just have this question in the back of your mind. And that question is, why do we doubt the promises of God? Okay. Why do we doubt the promises of God? Have that question in your mind as we go, and uh, let's go ahead and dig in. So uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 1 says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. And so it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. And in the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah, and his wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. And when his division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. And it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right hand, uh, at the right, the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Well, how can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. And meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remaining speechless. And when the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. And after these events, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace from among the people. So we're going to now just kind of walk back through that passage. There's a lot going on. And just spend a few moments to just kind of examine and unpack 
what we saw there. And then I've got some questions for you to uh, think, uh, maybe find somebody and discuss these questions with and think through this passage. Uh, so uh, the first thing we see here is that Zechariah, right, he is a righteous godly man. Like there's no question about that. Both Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are verified by God as righteous, which is really an incredible thing, right? I mean, Luke records it. Um, Gabriel says it, right? Uh, there's no question here about their faithfulness, their obedience to the Lord, right? Um, in verse 6, it says, both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. I mean, that's incredible, right? He's we see that he's faithful. We see that he's dutiful in his service to the Lord, right? He's where he needs to be. He's serving in the temple according to uh, the traditions and the customs and laws, right? Uh, so really, by all accounts, we would expect Zechariah to believe a message from God, especially when the delivery of the message uh, was so unmistakably verified, right? Uh, you know, unmistakably verifiable like, hey, I'm in the temple, and Gabriel, one of the archangels, is standing and talking to me at the right hand of the altar of incense, which is where the prayers are standing up into heaven, right? So there's no question, is God speaking? There's no question, is the message clear? Do I understand the message, right? And there's no question that Zechariah is exactly the kind of person that we would expect to believe and receive a message from the Lord, right? He's not He's not a joker, right? Zechariah is a righteous, godly, faithful man. So is his wife, uh, woman. You know, she's not a faithful man, right? She's a faithful woman. Uh, so Zechariah is giving this incredible promise. That's the second big point that we see here, right? Um, Zechariah and Elizabeth will have a son, right? And this is huge because they had always been unable to have kids when they were young. Um, in other words, back when they were of like childbearing age, even then they were unable to have children. Uh, but now they were far beyond that. Uh, now they were at an age where no one has kids, right? And so uh, they were now too old to be having children, even in a normal sense, uh, let alone the fact that even when they were of the right age, they were always unable to conceive. And so we can really only imagine how many years they had prayed for a child um, and by now, right, they probably would have given up hope. That's a very possible thing that we could see in their lives, right? And so this is really an incredible promise from God that they're going to have a son. But uh, not only will they have a son, right, but he will be the servant that was prophesied by the prophet Malachi, right? So you go back to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, uh, chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. Uh, Gabriel quotes these things almost directly in uh, his promise to Zechariah about their child. And of course, as a faithful priest, Zechariah would have been very familiar with the passages from Malachi. He would have known exactly what Gabriel was referring to. And so it really is just an unbelievably uh, uh, incredible promise, right? That not only would they have a son, but the son they had would be like the second Elijah, right? He would come in the spirit of Elijah. And Elijah, of course, was probably one of the greatest prophets. Um, certainly one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel's history, right? So the promise would have really been emotionally overwhelming as well, as you can imagine, right? Not just where you have a child, but he'll be one of the greatest men ever born. Uh, that's just an overwhelming thing to receive, right? Uh, this is far above their hopes and dreams for a child, right? Um, but here's the third point. We see that Zechariah wasn't... Uh, able to receive the promise. He, he just couldn't 
receive the promise. Uh, and we know that he doesn't doubt the message's clarity or grand nature, right? He, he at least doesn't seem to have a problem with, well, maybe the message is not clear. Maybe the message is too great. That doesn't seem to be his issue. The, the message is cl very clearly from God, right? What's actually happening here is that um, Zechariah is doubting the message because of his own capacity, right? He doesn't seem to doubt God's promises. He doubts his own capacity to receive that promise, right? In this case, the very real capacity of his own body and his wife's body and their ability to conceive and, and bear children, right? Um, in other words, it's almost like, I don't doubt that God can do that. I doubt that God can do it through me, right? So because I doubt my own capacity, or you could say maybe I'm overly focused on my own opinion of my own capacity, I therefore doubt God's promises. And this is a really important thing for, for us to focus on, right? Um, because uh, look at what happens to Zechariah, right? As a result of this, he loses his voice. And that's something for us to probably just ponder some more about. What are the implications of that, right? But it's clear that he loses his voice as both a punishment for his disobedient, for his, uh, his unbelief, right? Um, but also as a sign that the things that Gabriel said would come to pass. Uh, and so Zechariah is going to be unable to speak until he sees God fulfill the promise. And uh, we'll see that come to uh, fulfillment uh, in the fourth lesson in this series uh, as we get to the end of chapter one. Uh, but for now, I want us to pause now for you and I and to think about the implications for us at Christmas uh, from what we're seeing here, right? Because again, you and I, our challenge in the Christmas season is to think about the promises that are embedded in the incarnation, right? Um, this idea that God is with us, that God becomes like us, that God enters humanity and lives and suffers and dies, and, but then is, is resurrected and redeemed and gets a new human body that will never die. And what does that mean for us? And what does that mean that Jesus is still in that body at the right hand of God, as the apostles later would write about? Right? And so there's so many things for us to think about. All this comes to celebration point in Christmas, right? God with us. God in a manger, God human, God come down to us, right? So let's think about that because just like Zechariah doubted Gabriel, we can doubt the promises that we are giving in Christ's incarnation, right? Promises like mercy, uh, redemption, healing, hope. Uh, we may not doubt God's ability to redeem, but we may doubt his our own, we may doubt our own capacity to be redeemed. Let's say that again. We may not doubt God's ability to redeem, God's ability to restore, God's ability to heal, God's ability to give hope. We may not doubt that as an idea or a concept. We may not doubt it for God to do that in the lives of other people, but we may very well doubt it and God's ability to do it in us, right? So not his ability to redeem, but we doubt our ability to be redeemed, right? And so we must accept that God's promises, that the promises that we have in Christ and in his incarnation, which is what we're celebrating at Christmas, that these promises are not only true, but they're also possible. Uh, because it's not about our capacity. And that's what I want us to think about today. It's not about our capacity. Our capacity shouldn't be holding us up. 
our, our own capacity, or more accurately, again, our own opinion of our own capacity shouldn't be holding us up from receiving the promises of God because it's not about our capacity. His promises aren't limited to what we can and can't do or what can and can't happen through us. God has the ability and the power to transform our capacity. So our capacity is not relevant. And that's the lesson that Zechariah is learning here. And it's a lesson for us today. So let me give you some questions to go just you know, think through, dig a little deeper, kind of mull over some of the ideas that we've seen in this passage and just give the Lord an opportunity to speak to us and reveal some things to us. So um, first thing, uh, first question I have for you as we begin to apply this is uh, just think about how can you relate to Zechariah's story? It'd be easy to give Zechariah a hard time for his unbelief, uh, but I think that we, we actually really can relate to Zechariah and where he's coming from and where maybe some of his weakness and his faith was coming from there. So how can you relate to him? Uh, how does your own opinion of your capacity cause you to doubt what God is telling you? Okay, think about that question. Discuss that question uh, today. Uh, what promises do you hear in the incarnation? You know, in the, in the prophet Isaiah talked about the incarnation as a future event, and he said that, uh, that, the, that a name for Jesus was going to be Emmanuel. And Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, would later explain that the name Emmanuel literally means God with us. Let's think about that. The incarnation is about God with us. And what are the promises that you hear embedded into that idea? Let's unpack those things and, and, and spend some time in prayer about that. Let, let the Lord speak to us, right? Um, so again, we, we want to learn to receive the promises of Christ. Uh, we want to learn to receive the promises that are in Christ based on his ability and not our own capacity. And so uh, just think about that uh, this, this week. And uh, let me just give you a couple of things more. Uh, first, I just encourage you to pray. Uh, pray that uh, first, just pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Just thank the Lord for his many promises and ask for a fresh revelation of the incarnation of Christ, right? As you, if you're hearing this idea and you're like, Sam, that just sounds like a, like a lofty idea or a foreign idea, or maybe you don't really understand why it's such a big deal or why, like, like you, you're not seeing the depth there or you're not seeing like the so what part of the incarnation. Or maybe you do, but you know there's more there. I would just encourage you to thank the Lord for his promises, but also to ask him for a fresh revelation of the incarnation of Christ and, and all that it means. Um, and then I would also encourage you in prayer time to ask the Lord to soften your heart, to receive his promise, and to embrace the hope we have in Christ. And that is really uh, such, an, such a great and wonderful opportunity that we have in the Christmas season. You know, it's such a celebratory time for our culture. And it is historically focused and centered around the idea of celebrating the incarnation. So let's get back to that in this season. Let's think about the promises we have in Christ. And let's learn how we can receive those and really get out of our own way in terms of receiving what God is promising. Uh, and then last thing I have for you is just kind of a devotional question for you to just think more about this week. This is not a question uh, that I would encourage you to answer quickly. Uh, let it sit, let it stew, okay? Uh, but here's the question for the week. Uh, what are the things that you think 
Jesus cannot do in your life? Okay, I want you to think about that question. What are the things that you think Jesus cannot do in your life? And how does your thinking about Jesus need to change? Okay, so I encourage you to think about that question in this uh, season and in this week. And uh, just hope that this time has been, I really do hope this time has been a blessing for you and and just helping you think more deeply about Jesus. And I hope that you'll continue with us through the Christmas season as we go through the remaining three lessons on on Luke chapter 1 as we think about the promises of God that are in the incarnation. So in the meantime, uh, be blessed. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye. We are so glad you have joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church house. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.